I'm so glad that you're here this morning and uh, a part of Outward Church uh, together today and uh, all that stuff. As I said, we had a great Thanksgiving uh, holiday and uh, our church came together like never before. It was amazing. I mean, just so you know, like sometimes uh, over the last few years, we've had one large donor that gave um, a, a large percentage of uh, the giving and this year that didn't happen. And so, but I see that as a huge celebration because it was lots of little gifts. And so I am so thankful for that because what that says is that uh, many regular people just got involved. And we also love it when, when, when people um, give big checks. That's great. That helps the ministry out a ton. But we just want to say thank you to so many of you who just gave a little bit. And thank you so much for that or whatever you could afford. I know it wasn't a little bit to you. Um, but you may have thought it was insignificant, but it wasn't. It was the body of Christ speaking loudly to our community saying, we want to be about the things of God, um, of Jesus Christ in our city. And so we had incredible turnout both among uh, people who come to our church and people who have never been to church before. And so it was a huge win to see what God uh, did in and through that. So thanks for being a part of that. This morning, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we'll pick it up again in verse 17, and um, we'll be focusing on a, on a different section today. Uh, one of my probably most difficult passages to address, uh, or the, this type of passage, is, is, is this. Um, when it talks about the submission of a woman in marriage. We talked about this last week. If you're like angered right now, because I even used that word along with women in the same sentence, you should just uh, listen to last week's sermon. But some things that I said about that um, are this. Uh, verse 18 says, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And what I said about that is this. It does not mean that husbands are to force their wives to submit or to obey them. Nowhere do the scriptures tell a husband to ensure that his wife is obedient uh, or anything of the sort? It, it does not say that. Um, the second thing I said was this. It does not mean that the wife is inferior to the husband. The third thing is it is not absolute. The wife has the right and the duty to go against her husband or to report him for abuse or to come to the church and say, my husband's mistreating me or he's, he's, he's cheating on me or uh, something along those lines. There are certainly moments when, when this is not absolute. And uh, fourth, uh, it is issued in a context of love. We're going to be talking about uh, husbands today or men specifically. Some of you guys aren't married yet. And I know some of you, you begin to think when you start, you know, hearing that today's sermon is going to be about uh, marriage a little bit, uh, you begin to think to yourself, okay, this doesn't apply to me, but I, I, I submit to you that it does. And that if you go into your marriage without having thought through some of these things, that you're going to be at a disadvantage. Yet you can walk into a marriage being uh, full of information and knowledge uh, that's going to help keep you humble. That's going to help you as you look for a, a wife um, or even a husband today. And so I want to encourage you, if you're single here today, to continue to listen. The top of this passage, or, or really where we're kind of coming from, is verse 17, which says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do everything 
in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what we're talking about here is that these are relationships that are colored by and characterized by the gospel, by the love of Jesus Christ. So if you were to disconnect the way that you treat your spouse or the way that you're a, a, a child within the context of a family relationship or the way that you uh, go about your, your work life and things of that nature, if you were to disconnect that, all that is is moralism. That's just deciding to do something different. It may help you out short term, but long term you're eventually going to fail in this. You're eventually going to have problems. You're eventually not going to be able to sustain the things that you said. I, I want to make these changes. And so what the scriptures teach us is this, is that uh, Christianity isn't just good morals. Christianity is not even based on good morals. What Christianity is based on is the fact that there are good morals that God has outlined for us basically within the Ten Commandments. And the problem is this, is that you and I cannot seem to keep the rules. I, I'm a rule breaker in and of myself. I am somebody who breaks the rules. I'm somebody who can't seem to get it right. And so I'm constantly having this problem. So the essence of a Christian is somebody who sees and knows and understands that they are a rule breaker that they cannot seem to keep it right. The essence of a Christian is somebody who says, I am broken. The essence of a Christian is somebody who understands on a regular basis, I cannot get it right. I cannot figure it out. I have something hanging off my arm. It's distracting me. You probably can't see it. I'm a little bit like a squirrel, shiny object, right? <clears throat> the essence of a Christian is not that you're doing what's right. Now, let me just tell you this. I hope, and this scripture is teaching, that because of what Jesus has done in your life, that what happens is this, is that you don't have a motivation that says, I'm, I'm, I, I want things to go well in my marriage, and so I'm going to do these things. Now, that may help for a while, but you have a new and different motivation. I use this passage, or a little bit of this passage, when I speak at weddings oftentimes, because what I want people to understand is this, is that our love can't come from just our innate desire to love, because really the root of who we are is not rooted in love. We are by nature people who are rule breakers. Why are we rule breakers? Because we want, we covet, we desire things that are not ours. We want control and power. We want all of those things. And so really, sometimes if you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix things in my marriage, and I'm going to make my marriage better by doing good things, what that's actually rooted in without Jesus is still self. The reason why I don't steal or the reason why I uh, don't cheat on my wife or the reason why I, I, I try not to do these things is because I want things to go well for me. And that, and, and that may be true, but here's the problem, is that it's still rooted in self. And Jesus shows us that as long as you are, as long as you have a power source that is just from you, as long as it's just, just coming from self, it still is just selfish. If you, want your, if you want to have a good marriage just because you want to have a good marriage and you want to avoid problems or you want to avoid what your parents went through, you want to avoid the things that you've seen in your, in your friends' lives. It's still rooted in self. 
can't you see that you have to have a marriage that's rooted in the gospel? It says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we, we begin here. We talked about submission last week. I just kind of gave some disclaimers there as far as uh, what this means. Verse 18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, Paul has one sentence here to husbands. There's another one to fathers, so it's still including men. But he has one sentence to husbands. He's written a letter to the church in Colossae. And he has one sentence. And the one sentence he says is, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And why is that? It's because we struggle with loving our wives and being harsh with our wives. You know, why is that? Well, it's because of love of self. It's because of love of self. I love myself. I love the things that I have. I want to be served. It's very easy for men who are, um, a word that I can't use in church, it's very easy for them to say, submit, woman. But you don't understand the first thing about the scriptures if that's who you are. are. Are you controlling your wife? Have you brought this up to her? You're a jerk. You're a jerk. Because here's the thing. You're the husband. And you have the leadership in the, in the house. You're the husband. You're the guy who's supposed to be leading. But it's not in the way that you think it is. It's not in the way that you think it is. It says, husband, love, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. He's got a positive and a negative. A, a lot of times we like the positive. We don't like the negative. The positive is, yeah, I, I love my wife. You might be recently married. Uh, we have a lot of recently marrieds in our church. And so love is something that you probably are feeling a lot of, especially through that honeymoon period. But then when you add kids into the mix... You add financial stress, you add all of those things, and pretty soon it doesn't feel like love anymore. It doesn't feel like you're feeling very loving, and it gets difficult. And so the, the, the question is, what's my responsibility here? How should I respond in those situations? If you're to lead in your home, then what should that look like? Well, you have to lead in love. Because of this, leading means loving, and loving means leading. Leading means loving, and loving means leading. So why does Paul simply say this? To love her and do not be harsh. That word harsh could mean to be bitter towards her. There's a lot of bitterness in marriages. Guys, you don't get what you want. She doesn't do what, you, what you'd like her to. Perhaps you do feel like she is whatever, fill in the blank. Perhaps you feel that way. And so what begins to happen is that there, there could be a bitterness. It comes out in a harshness. 
when you, you're thinking one way, you know, I mean, the proverbial saying, and I guess book as well, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, I think it is, is that we have two different languages. We're coming from two different perspectives. And I, I've seen this in my own marriage where I'm like, I, I, I say something to my wife, she doesn't get it because she's coming from another perspective. My immediate reaction as, as, as a man is to say, how, how come you don't understand this? And she can sense instantly, hey, you're getting edgy with me. You're, you're, you, why are you getting irritated with me? That's our problem, men. Paul, Paul has one sentence, and he says, love your wife and don't be harsh with her. Now, why does he say this? Why is it that there is even leadership in the home? Why does Paul signify that women are to submit to their husbands? And why does he say that husbands are to love their wives? He's clearly saying that, that there's a leadership structure there. Well, here's the thing. God has created all relationships with an authority structure. God has created all relationships with, with an authority structure. Whether it's with parents and children, at your work, government, all of those things. But all of the time, we are always looking for ways to either shirk our responsibility as the person who should be in authority, whether it's as a parent, as a husband, as a boss, we're always trying to shirk our responsibility, or we're always going against the authority. For those of you who find yourself leaning very hard right politically, you have to be very careful that sometimes uh, you're, you're saying, we're going to shirk the authority of the government. We're, we're, we're going to say, you know, they shouldn't be getting into my life or they shouldn't be doing this. But then in another area, we're saying, I, I do want the government involved here and people are disobeying the government. And see, here's the thing. The very thing that we accuse some people of who are rioting, who are protesting, well, you're, you are defaming the local authorities. You're, 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 you're uh, making them look bad. You're bringing them into a bad light. But then, on the other hand, we ourselves don't want to live under authority. Listen, every single one of us, whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're male or female, whatever the case may be, every single one of us has a problem, and it is an authority problem. But you have to understand something, that authority comes from God. God is the one who has put authority into this world. But here's the problem, is that you and I get it wrong so often, because we think authority is one way and Jesus is thinking of something the complete opposite if you were to look at Mark chapter 10 in verse 35 there is a story that begins and so there's two disciples James and John come up to Jesus and they say to him teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you and Jesus says to them what do you want me to do for you and they say to him grant us to sit one at your right and one at your left in glory and Jesus said to them you do not know what you're asking are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized and they said to him we are able got that handled check okay <laughs> it's so funny and Jesus says to them oh yeah well, the cup that I drink, you will drink, 
And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles... Jesus says, you know those people in the world that consider themselves in charge. They are authority. You know how they live. They lord it over the people whom they're over. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now what Jesus is saying to us there is this. Is that leadership is flipped on its head. When you become a Christ-like individual, what you have to understand is this. Is that to be a jerk and to demand something from your wife to be controlling over her, to control all of the details and, and, uh, and whatnot in your marriage, is to essentially say, I'm lording it over her. You're essentially just acting like everyone else. And your idea of authority and responsibility is basically no different than anybody else's. But Jesus says something completely different. In fact, Winston Smith from his book, Marriage Matters, says it best, I think. He says, Jesus taught that authority is to be exercised sacrificially for the benefit of others, not for personal satisfaction and glory. It is, Jesus teaches that your authority, men, is never for your benefit. It's not for your benefit. Now, ultimately, it will come back to you, but you don't control that. I'm convinced of this, and I've seen it over and over again. The biggest problem in your marriage, men, is you. The biggest problem in your marriage is you. Do not walk around thinking that somehow you got a bum deal, you got a bad wife, or you chose unwisely. The biggest problem in your marriage is you. And I am convinced that if you were to see your authority in a new way and say, Jesus' authority was not to come and be an overbearing jerk over those people he would lead, but he washed their feet. He washed their feet. And more than washing their feet, he cared for them. And more than that, he suffered for them. And that ultimately means that he suffered for you. But we don't get that. We don't get that. And why is it that we don't get this? Well, guys, let me tell you. Sometimes we say, I don't feel like loving her right now. When you come home and you're on the couch and she needs help with the kids or she wants to talk or any of those things and, and, and you shirk your responsibility. And you say, I don't really feel like loving her. Or let's just say this. You're in a marriage right now that's really tough. 
you're in a really tough situation because of this. It's been going on like this for a while. It's been going on like this for a while because you've, you've essentially shirked your responsibility at being a leader in your home because leadership is loving. You've shirked your responsibility. You're not a leader at all. And so what's happening is this, that your marriage is declining and declining and declining. And things are getting worse and worse and worse. And so pretty soon, you find yourself in a place where you're saying, you know what, I'm not even sure this is the same person. You're not the same person I married. Well, you dork. You better hope that, you, that your wife is growing. You better hope that she changes. That's called maturity. You, you didn't, this isn't the same person you married. Or, or you know what, she just, she doesn't look the same. Well, she's had some of your kids. And that's just part of the deal. Well, she, you know, there's, the, the, this, is, this is happening, or that's it. I, I, I'm not really into this anymore. Do, do you even hear yourself? Do you hear the conversations that you're having? Do you, do you hear what's going on? Do you know what's happening in your mind? I got news for you. Love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. And, and I, I got a question. Are you a boy or are you a man? Are you, are you a boy who is going to say, I'm going to act before I feel? Because that's what men do. I'm going to act before I feel. I'm going to act because this is who Jesus is, because he has called me to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to respond to my wife in a way that's loving and caring, regardless of how I feel today. Now, hey, I'm with you. It's difficult. It's difficult. But I just got to tell you, we, guys, we, we need to have a little talk. We need to have a little huddle. This is our Braveheart moment. This is our, our gladiator talk. Let, let's, let's, let's have a moment here. I, I, I was thinking about this, and I know that some of you guys find yourself in a position where you say, you know what, I'm not that big, tough guy. And you know, Matt, you drive a big truck, and you look like a really tough guy, and you're, you know, you're attractive, and all of this. Um, you know, I mean... There's just like, you know, there's this essence of manliness about you. And, and, I, and I know that that's hard to take. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Men, the scriptures... Have an idea of what it means to be a man. I don't fully embody it. All right? The scriptures have an idea of what it means to be a man. And when you say, I don't feel like loving her, or I'm just kind of falling out of love, ah, come on. Act like a man. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. The definition of manliness is not sowing your oats wherever you want. The definition of manliness is not, you know what, it got hard. 
I just don't feel like it anymore. I just, I don't really want to do it like that anymore. Act like a man. Put on your big boy pants. Love is not a feeling, it's an action. Why does Paul use one, one sentence? Husbands, love your wives. Because you need to be very direct with us, right? I mean, like, my wife used to kind of hint at things occasionally and, and so forth, and I'm just going to, and I'm like, nothing. I got nothing. What are you talking about, you know? You know, it would seem like there was something a little bit wrong, and I'd be like, honey, is there something wrong? No. And I'd be like, all right, great, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. I got a thick head. And with men, we've got to be direct, right? We've got to say, husbands, love your wives. Not according to what you think. Not according to how you feel. <laughs> when, I got, when I got married, one of the first things that, that really happened was the fairy tale of, of everything, of, of all of these senses and feelings. I was a little bit, of, you know, I, I got to admit something since I uh, said that I'm such a manly man. I, uh, I actually like watching chick flicks, or I used to anyway, right? All right. It's, it's just, it, yeah, it's a confession. And, and uh, my wife and I went, it was, it, you know, it was when we were dating and so forth. And so you'll do anything when you're dating, right? Uh, and so I was, I was uh, you know, would watch chick flicks, and, and you, would, you would get the sense of what it should feel like and so forth. And this is what love is, and you just always feel like being loving, and you want to come home. You want to love this woman and so forth. But then you get into marriage, and it's just like, you know, running off a cliff. Like, what's happening right now? Where did all this gusto go for all of these things? Well, it's because of this. The feelings of love or what our society thinks that love is, went away. And why is that? It's because I was selfish. I am selfish. I, did, I, I was out for myself. I wanted feelings. I wanted to feel good about me. But here's the thing. God put me as an authority figure in my marriage, not to dominate my wife, but to lead in loving her. Because leading is loving, and loving is leading. That's, that's what marriage is, guys. We've got to act like men, but what kind of a man? It's not what our world believes that it is. It's not a stereotypical man. It's not a guy that just falls out of love. No, it's a man who's been created in the image of God. It's a man who has new life. And guys, uh, so many times we miss this big time. If you remember back to chapter 3, verse 1 of Colossians, it says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And what that says is this, is that you don't have to be a stereotypical jerk man. You don't have to be that guy that's all about himself and all about his things and all about his stuff. You don't have to be that guy because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
And so he's saying, seek the things that are above. And some of you are saying, I want to. I want to seek the things that are above, but I just, there's so many things that are going on. There's so many things that are happening. I have so many responsibilities. I have so many things that are happening to me. And I would say, I think that's a really good thing. And what God is trying to show you is that you can't do it on your own. And sometimes even to the detriment of, uh, of wisdom, you have a great partner because you, you married this person. And I'm willing to bet that your wife has wisdom for you that you don't know anything about sometimes. I know this because uh, I am an idiot without my wife. My wife brings such wisdom and strength to me on a regular basis because I am a weak dude. I am a guy who needs a, a woman next to me. I am a guy who needs her to speak into my life. I am a guy who... <laughs> Sometimes on Monday morning, I am just dragging. I just feel like I'm just, you know, knuckles on the ground, just going, man, I just, I feel like such a failure sometimes. And I feel like, and my wife is such an encourager, and she brings such wisdom, and she speaks the gospel into my life. And she says, Matt, that's not true. This is who Jesus is. And it's, it's an amazing help. Guys, if you miss that, you're missing one of the greatest experiences of your life is communing in relationship with your spouse and, and her being able to speak into who you are, admitting your weakness and saying, I need you. I'm not just okay by myself, but God gave me you for a reason. And sure, you're to lead, but you're to lead in humility and saying, I don't know and I need your help. God's created an, an authority structure, and it's not about domineering over your wife. To think that is to completely miss the point. The point is, is that you should be looking to her as a great helper in your marriage, looking to lead her, to love her, to take care of her. Men, if your marriage has any hope of succeeding, you've got to come to an understanding of how your leadership in the home is meant to serve your wife and not yourself. If you keep serving yourself, you will serve yourself out of a marriage. You will serve yourself out of a marriage. And it happens all the time. Happens all the time. And I want to tell you this. Whether you file or whether she files, the fault is yours. Because she got to a point or she wanted to file. You know why? Because you didn't lead in the marriage. Now, I, I have counseled and encouraged women on many levels. Just, just wait a little bit longer. See, see if he comes back. I, I'm not for divorce. Jesus isn't for divorce. I am not about that, but I'm telling you that there's a reason why your marriage is breaking down. It's because you don't know how to lead, men. And you need to understand that. How do we lead? How do we do this? I want to give you some, some, some key points here. All right? Men have got to ask themselves, what else am I loving besides my wife and really Jesus? What other saviors do I have? Your priorities, men, need to begin with this. Jesus wife. 
Jesus, husband, father, everything else. Your work, after that, hobbies. After that, other friendships. But those are your priorities in that order. It's got to be Jesus. And then comes your wife. You've got to ask yourself, what else am I loving besides my wife? The biggest one. Are you loving other women? Are you loving other women? On any level. This means porn. It means any type of viewing other women other than your wife. This means even admiring other women. It's not, it's, it's not that it, uh, recognition, I mean, beauty is beauty. But it's, it's going to another step and it's admiration. It's gone beyond the point of recognition that that's, that that's beauty and it's admiring. It's coveting, it's, it's taking that into your life and it's, it's admiring them. It's, it's admiring even just their personality. So, you know, I, I, I love the way that she manages her home. Oh, that's different than my home. It's admiring perhaps looks, obviously. It's admiring any of those things. It's admiration. Well, it's just, I'm just simply being a nice person. No, you're admiring, you're loving something else other than your wife. And ultimately, you have another savior because Jesus says this, that you, your greatest love other than him needs to be your wife. You've got to love your wife. And when you have other women in the picture, that's destroying things. Who, who are you communicating with? Who are you texting with? Whether it's uh, Facebook, online chat rooms. This goes male or female. Is your phone locked or can your wife get into it? Can your husband get into your phone? What's, what's that like in your marriage? Secondly, actually, let me follow that up. Make your wife your only standard of beauty. The, the, the only thing about our, our, our world is telling you constantly that airbrushed, whatever women are the standard of beauty. But how do they, why do they get to define what that is? You get to define what that is. God has defined what that is. And that, and that is ultimately your wife. Your wife is your standard of beauty. And if there's nothing else to compare her to, she is beyond compare. And she is yours. And she is beautiful because of that. You must Love your wife. Make her your only standard of beauty. Secondly, hobbies. Are you consumed with hobbies? Uh, hunting, fishing, a car. I don't have really any hobbies. I do yard work. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to find something else to do with my time occasionally outside of, I, I guess, taking care of my wife and kids. But uh, When... You as a guy say, honey, this is when I'm going to be gone. And you're just going to have to deal with that. Often the wife comes back and says, but that's right during my birthday. That's when whatever. Uh, I'm going out to the garage 
to take care of some things. But I need you right here. The kids are going to bed. Well, you're just going to have to take care of that because you're the wife and I'm in charge. What? You're the leader. You're leading in love. Your residual income that you have, because everybody's got a little bit, I hope. Or maybe you don't have it and it's just going on the credit card, but it's going towards hunting things and it's going towards fishing things and it's going towards your activities. And so what's your wife left with? She has nothing left to, to, to spend on herself. You've just been a jerk and you've soaked it all up. Because Why? Because you and I are about self. We're about serving ourselves. We come to ourselves and we say, hi, self, how can I help you? And I say, you know, thank you very much for asking me, self. I'd like to help myself to whatever I think is mine. And so what I think is mine is, is, is all of this and all of that. You know, my wife is left with nothing. Because I have a hobby, and that's my first love. So I'm not really loving my wife, am I, if I do that? Work or business. I mean, someone's got problems because we have lots, lots, lots of other loves, right? Start killing them. Work or business? Does your, does your work come first? Well, I got to work. Got to go out. Got to make money, honey. Got to bring home the bacon. You want to... You you want to eat, don't you? Yeah, but you're the leader. And you get to manage your time. And it's it simply, like, if you're, if you're just gone all the time, I realize that there are seasons in people's lives, and there are some types of jobs, and, like, maybe you can't get another job. Let me just say that up front. Just say, listen, you may be struggling, and I don't want you leaving here today saying, I'm a bad husband because I'm always working right now. L listen, listen to the degree that you're able. This is what, I'm, I'm talking about people that have a choice right now. When you say, my work comes first, before you, before the kids, before the things that I've got, you know, but, but before the things that are important to you, that's a problem. That's another love. You might say, well, we have to do it. No, you don't. L look at all of your debts. Look at everything that you've bought. Look at all the things that you've allowed to build up in your life. Well, we've got this credit card, and we've got that credit card. Figure it out. Pay off your debts and reduce the, the amount of money that you need to bring in. It's just as simple as that. Well, I, I, I want to live in this house. That's the equivalent of, I don't want to. I want to be comfortable. Act like a man. Get your budget together. Find somebody, be humble, and say, I'm a moron when it comes to finances, and I need your help. You are in charge of managing your home and managing your finances. Get it together. I can't. I've just I had bad examples. I did too. I, had, I have to seek help. I still have to. I, I'm, I'm still looking for advice on finances and how to work things out. And my, and my wife speaks into that. And we talk about what, what I'm going to buy or what she's going to buy. We, we manage those things together because of this, because it matters. If I take on more debt, it adds more stress. It means I have to work more. Maybe i got to get a second job. And then that in and of itself is a recipe for disaster in your home. And you led yourself there. Is your work, your love, do you have a meal with your family? Is there a meal that you 
commit to sitting down. I don't mean legalistically. I don't, I don't eat every single night. Sometimes I'm not hungry per se, and Chris hasn't uh, done any kind of dinner, you know, that's big or whatever, and so she just feeds the kids a, a couple of things, and maybe I'm doing something. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm saying that more often than, than not, you're sitting at the dinner table, okay? You, you can't be home for dinner. You're sitting at the breakfast table. You're having dinner with your wife, or you're having breakfast with your wife, or you're spending time with your kids, saying, this is what it means to be family. This is what matters. We're going to spend time together. We're going to pray over our meal. We're going to talk about our day. If you can get through the yelling and screaming about zucchini that I did the other night, holy cow. Uh, It's insanity, right? Uh, Sorry, I blew up. Um, I mean, it's, it's craziness. And sometimes guys opt for going to the bar. I was telling my wife the other day, I mean, like, things, things are ramping up in our home. I mean, as they get older, their voices get louder, and, I mean, it just gets louder and louder and louder. And I said, I, I think I said this to my wife, I don't want to go to the bar and just kind of, you know, just kind of sit. But hopefully this doesn't sound bad, but I can see why guys would do that, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, it's probably peaceful, at times, to be in somewhere else with a drink in your hand and talking to adults and things like that. But here's the thing, is that like when I don't come home, if I'm busy or, or something like that, and I try to rarely do this, watch this week, my life is going to come apart and I'm going to have to miss dinner and all of you are going to see me, you're going to see that I'm a hypocrite. But here's the thing, uh, my wife's been at home all day with the kids and then I miss dinner, so she's got to deal with dinner. And then I miss bedtime, she's, she's got to deal with bedtime. And she's, and I'm not there to love her, to care about her. And I'm essentially saying, you know what? I'm in charge here. Do what I ask, woman. Take care of my, my children. While I just go, do, I'll go take care of other things. But you led yourself there, guys. Friends, who are you spending time with instead of your wife? What, what kind of guys are you hanging out with? I, I mean, the old adage, show me your friends. I'll show you where you'll be in five years. It may be six months. Listen, if you're hanging out with guys who are cheating on their wives, if you're hanging out with dudes that don't really care about their family, if that's, if that's who you are, really, I, I just want to say that I think it's good to have uh, guy uh, friends, men, but let me just tell you, when you have a family, some of that stuff has got to end. You need to have accountability. You need to have close friends. But let me just tell you, some of those friendships are going to have to come to an end because you have a new friend. It's called your wife, right? And she wants to spend time with you, all right? Um, I, hopefully, this goes without saying that any type of close friend that you have would be someone of the same sex, if you're, if you're a guy, that you're going to, your close friends, the people that you're hanging out with, people that you're spending time with, would only be men and not other women. It just goes without saying, I don't care, yeah, oh, I get along with women better. No, you don't. Not anymore. You're married. <laughs> uh, games. Game, you know, we're, we're getting in detail here. Games. Football. Baseball. What other games are there? I mean, like, uh, uh, racquetball? Uh, no, I think I did write something down. Uh, 
playing cards, card games, right? Um, computer games, video games for older men. Okay, I, 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 I don't get it, but here, here's the thing. Like, so, so you love games. Well, guess what? Life isn't a game. And uh, you can use this time in your life to, to, to live in escapism, try to forget everything around you, and dive into all of the games that you want. You can take off at night and go play card games. You, you, can, just, you can just be a punk all the way around. And just give your wife wh whatever. Uh, I mean... And you can just go do whatever you want, but that's not leadership. That's not leadership. I'm not saying that you can't play games. I'm not saying that you can't have a hobby. I'm not saying that you can't have those things. I'm saying you've got to lead and love your wife first. That will come later. Let me, I'll, I'll come back to that hopefully if I remember here. Self. Who are you loving? I mean, ultimately if you're like, ah, that's me. Oh, that one's me. Oh, that one's me. Uh, all of us to some degree or another we're suffering from this to some degree or another and it's, it's, it's simply a love of self Paul, Paul says husbands love your wives and what he's saying is this don't love yourself love your wife does your wife have the freedom to say to you it would really help me if you didn't do that tonight those are, those are not my favorite words, I'll be honest. And a lot of times we want to say, well, guess what? I'm doing it anyway. I've, I've already planned this thing. I've, you know, whatever. And there may be times where it's like, honey, I won't schedule this again. I have to be at this thing. As soon as this is done, I'm going to make it up to you in one way or another. I, I had to go to Dallas a couple weeks ago. For, my wife was at home for three or four days um, on her own. It's a lot. That's a lot. And, I mean, she only wanted like an afternoon or something, you know, to, to be by herself. That's, that's a lot of time for me to be gone and then for her to only get a little bit of time to herself. Um, we need to be looking out for that. Does she have the freedom to say, it would help me if you didn't do that tonight? Now, let me just say this, and I want to invite my wife up here right now um, just to, to talk with us. Would you welcome her? So, like, so, here, so here's what I've found in our marriage, and that is that if, if I have poured time and energy into... Um, making sure that you're cared for. Like I've, I've been at home, I've tried to make sure that I'm, um, I don't want to say comply because that sounds like um, I don't want to and I really want to. I really want to. I think it is on, yeah. Um, but I, I have found that when I do that more and I'm pouring into that relationship that you a lot of times are way more likely to say, yeah, fine, get out of here, go do, go do whatever. Yeah, is, it, is that true? Yes. 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 
absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just wanted affirmation. I, I told you I need encouragement. So, um, you get uh, a little, you get a little. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So here, so here's what I, uh, I was thinking was, um, so some ways how to love. So the, my, my first one, this is a really good one. You're going to be very impressed. Is how should I love my wife? I can't figure it out. How should I? What What is she like? What What about, about? Follow me here, guys. Okay, put your thinking caps on. Ask her. It's. I mean, it, it's a crazy idea. Just have a conversation, like, honey, what makes you feel loved? Just ask her. I was such a dork early on in our marriage, and probably still am, and, no, um, no, no. and uh, there, there were times that uh, we were not connecting, mm -hmm. and what happened was she felt like I should know, right? Explain, explain the situation. Tell, tell, tell them, yeah. Which one yeah. are we talking about? We really should talk about these things before we get up here, but... Uh, no, you, you would, I would expect him to just know what I needed or yeah. know what I was... I just expected him to be able to read my mind. And I was and always, like, really confused. Like, I, can, I am not a mind reader. Like, how could I know but that I you wanted flowers today? And, uh, I mean, she'd probably say, well, like, any day at any time would be good. And I, I, <laughs> but I was like, how could I know that that was really important to you um, on this particular day or at this time or what have you. And so she realized something. She's like, oh, he's dumb. I mean, he, he doesn't think like I do. And so she, need, she all of a sudden realized that she had to tell me. And so, yeah, you're nodding. Still like, a little bit slow after that, <laughs> but m better. But kidding. better, yeah. And so, so sometimes, <laughs> what, do you what do you have to do to, to help me understand what you need and want? Well, I think, well, and where I think we struggle, too, as, as women, is we can expect them, or, or we, I would feel like if I have to tell him, he probably doesn't really mean, he probably doesn't really mean it. Like, if I have to actually spell out, like, here's what would be really great to hear at this point, then it would feel like maybe it doesn't really, it doesn't mean as much because you're just saying that because you want me to be happy with you. Or I told you, that's cheating, right? <laughs> and, um, but what I learned is, um, was that he does want to love me and, and is learning, is learning how to do that. We're, we're constantly learning and we're constantly in process. And so for me to just say, and, and I try to do this um, just in normal life, like day-to-day -day stuff, when he does something or says something, when I, when I say, like, that really meant a lot to me that you said that or that you did that here. So I try to make sure that I am specific in kind of what I appreciate and tell him why. And, um, but also just even saying, like, it really helps me when I can't even think of an example right now, but I think yeah. just telling your husband, okay, here's what you could say and you don't have to do it, like you don't have to you don't have to say, repeat it back to me but maybe for next time you know this this would be really helpful to me and yeah. husbands listen yeah yeah and sometimes it feels unnatural <laughs> guys i mean i think yeah. it feels a little totally. bit unnatural to be like um you know i'm kind <laughs> of a you know i have this tough guy you know persona sometimes and i I, I don't know what it what's that nothing what <laughs> um i I, sometimes it's hard for me to express love. 
And so for me to write a note, like in the middle of the day, honey, I was just thinking about you today, and I, you know, whatever, it just felt, it felt contrived, it felt cheesy, it felt um, those types of things. But when I saw how it affected her, um, I, and I still don't do that super often, yeah, and I think she might think that's a little weird too sometimes, but um, she's like, I'm with the kids, leave me alone, you know? <laughs> like, um, Send a babysitter, <laughs> not a note. <laughs> Oh, man. That's a really good idea. Um, See, we're communicating. All you got to do is tell them. That's a really good idea. Well, I've learned a lot. Let us pray. All right. Um, now, I <laughs> gather I my thoughts. Um, your notes. I have, I have, yeah. Oh, um, number two is really good. I mean, B is really yeah, good. Yeah, I'll get to that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm leading here, <laughs> all right? Uh, I, what I found is that sometimes during the day, uh, I, uh, I think about things that I'm thankful for. And I, this happens to me occasionally. I get thankful all of a sudden, and it's happened to me lately. I've been a little bit weepy as well, so that's been weird. But um, I, I've been just like, I just get thankful. And I, I think about like, you know, I'm just super just grateful for my wife, and I, you know, I look at my kids, and they're, they're dressed well. I mean, it just, I mean, I think about Proverbs 31, and I just go, man, my wife just embodies that, that woman there that's uh, leading her family well and things like that at home, and I, I just could never imagine that it would have turned out this well, and, and so when I get home or when there's a quiet moment or the next time we have an anniversary or something like that. I hate buying cards. I hate buying, you know, what, whatever Hallmark cards because I just think, I don't really mean that. You know, here, here's something I don't really mean. You're welcome, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just weird to me. I like to write something out if I'm gonna, if I'm, or at least write something on that card that's lengthy. Like, this, these have been my thoughts about you and how I'm grateful for you. And so th I think that has meant a lot. It's not necessarily in the middle of the day, but... That's where I was going with that. All right, anyway. Okay, number two, spend money on her. This is what she wanted me to get to, right? Um, so if you're, if, if you're not a jerk and you're not spending all of your residual income on hobbies or your car or uh, just getting into more debt or whatever, um, then what you might have is you might have a little bit of cash. Now, my wife, she manages our money a lot of times. And so it doesn't mean that I'm not involved, but it means that she is aware of where the bank account is on a regular basis less than I am. And so what she's aware of is that, oh, things are getting a little bit low this month or in the beginning of the month, she's like, I know that we have this set aside and we just need to hang on to that. Now, what I found is that when we, I would say, you know what, honey, we need to go to the store, we need to buy you some stuff. And she would just be like, she'd be happy about that but it was like, oh, I don't really want to buy those jeans or whatever. And I'm like, I want you to buy those jeans, right? And she, <laughs> and she would, and she'd be like, but they're just too much money or whatever. So here's what I do. I, I go and I take cash out of the bank. So it's like, it's not there anymore. And I, and I, and I, and I take it and I say, you have this much money to go spend on whatever you want. So you don't have to think about whether, the, whether this is going to come out. It's already going to be spent. Either I'm going to go spend it on a new toy or you can spend it on clothes. Like, I'll spend it on clothes. I'll spend it on clothes. You know, and so it, what it does is it releases her from the burden of saying, I'm taking money away from the family. 
And it's me taking leadership and saying, I'm going to love you with how I give you uh, this money. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, it's our money, but I'm, I'm making a way for you to n- do this guilt-free. And so that's, that's been cool. Anything to say about that? Yeah, and I mean, I would just say, too, that, um, you know, there are a lot of you guys that are young and newly married and in those first stages where you're just trying to make ends meet. And it, it doesn't have to be extravagant. And I think what meant the most to me in those times is that he thought ahead about it and, and thought about what would um, bless me in that, in that moment. And um, I, I think the thought behind that was really what made the difference for me. And so I think you could think this and, or you could hear this and say, we just don't have much, you know, and, and I mean, it could be 10 bucks. I mean, you, I, so there's not like a monetary amount on that, but it's, it's the thought that goes into blessing your wife in that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a a lot of other things, but I would just say this, uh, lavish her with praise, find every opportunity to praise her with, with everything you can, you can think of. The, the things that she's, you know, if she's staying at home and she's taking care of things at home, then lavish her with praise. I mean, if she's, uh, if she's working, lavish her with praise. Uh, the way that she looks, lavish her with praise. Do not be critical of your wife. Be somebody who's always loving. Love, care, uh, every opportunity that you have. Um, notice the things that she does for you. Um, and, you know, finally, I mean, there's a great book, The Five Love Languages. I'd commend it to you. If you guys are having problems communicating, it's by Gary Chapman. I'd encourage you to look up that book and, and read through that. It's a, it's a great resource. But um, we're going to pray and go into communion here and, and then into worship for just a few minutes. And so thank you, babe, for being up here. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, as we, I want to invite the, the band forward. Um, Every Sunday we get together, we talk about Jesus and what he's done for us. We're to be doing these things uh, in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Because he sacrificed greatly for us, we can sacrifice for him. And so we're going to partake of communion. It's going to be passed out today. And so just during this first song, just um, allow that to, to come to you and then we'll... Uh, I'll direct us through that in just a few moments. If you're here for the first time or, or uh, you don't know Jesus, um, you know, and don't feel comfortable doing this, please, uh, by no means, feel, feel no obligation and just let it go past you. And for those of us that, that know what this means and, and know and love Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to this and I'll lead us through this. So just hang on. Don't partake yet until after this first song when I lead us through that. Let's do that now. <laughs>